Welcome to Homelessness Matters Season 2, a podcast by Emmaus. This season, we want to ask important questions about homelessness and how it's connected to wider society. Is there more to homelessness than what you see on the street? What can cause someone to lose their home? And how does the way our society works prevent people from accessing affordable housing? In each episode, we'll explore a different topic. You'll hear from people who have experienced homelessness and have been supported by one of 30 Emmaus charities across the UK, experts who can explain each topic in more detail, and we'll get a snapshot of what the public thinks about these crucial issues facing the country today. In this episode, we'll be discussing the pressure cooker effect, which you may have heard of before. It describes how small and seemingly insignificant events and tasks can stack up over a long time until one day it gets too much for a person to handle. We'll be speaking to Brad about his experience with this and how it led him to losing the place that he called home. We'll also speak to Maura Jackson, who runs a charity supporting young people in the northwest of England who are experiencing homelessness or are at risk of losing their home. Before we begin, a warning that this episode contains themes that some people may find upsetting, including references to suicide. This episode also contains swearing. It's it's a it's a tough story to like actually start talking about because the the start where 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 everything went so badly for me is like hard to pin down. It's hard to like find that starting point. I think maybe probably when I like went into care, uh, I was around like sixteen. You know, I was quite a late uh, starting into care. Like with the family life just kind of like broke down, um, and yeah, I found myself going into care and. I started in what's known as like emergency care, where you go into a very temporary placement. I had to go through about three of those. And then when I finally found somewhere to stay, I could only stay there for like a year and a bit before I had to move out and get my own that, place. That instability must have been quite difficult. Oh God. I mean, I think I think looking back on it, yes. But in the moment, I've I've been through I've been through enough to know that a lot of like moving around and like going through like something traumatic, it, it's almost it feels like second nature. So when you reached eighteen, mm. um, you you left care. What what sort of things did you struggle with as a care leaver? <laughs> well, do you know there was a um, when I was in care. Though when I first found like the first placement I wanted to stay at, um, there was a period where my social worker and a different two social workers came around to like evaluate me, and they were like, "Oh, how are you doing?" And they they thought I was rather impressive because I could cook bacon. That was their that was their level for. Oh, he's doing he's pretty, that was his independence threshold. That's kind of, I was thinking back on that. That seems wild to me. That that is that was good. Having having that such a low bar, and then being told, "Oh." Bid on a property, go live in your own house. I struggled with everything. I I, I barely paid a bill. Eating, if it, I I don't think I ever managed to like get an oven in. It it started in stable and it just it ended in it practically ended in metaphorical flames. Yeah, the only thing I, I ever had was like a, a relatively good social life. And are you comfortable talking about your your ADHD? Yeah, the role that played. Yes, I have ADHD, and that, it's mine's really. It's like I've I've been expelled from free schools. I never was never able to really um, find the focus to do anything like a hobby or like a a, a healthy social like thing. I my yeah I, I was never able to do education. I was never able to like look into into education. And when it comes to like paying your bills and having that um, that process, you just you, I just didn't have it. And, and emotionally, I suppose, where where all of those things start to get get on top of you, what what does that feel like? <laughs> oh my god, it's it's hard looking back because in the moment I was just kind of like pretending everything was okay. 
You know what I mean? So I wasn't really dealing with my emotions. It's something I've had to deal with like rather like, recently. Like you're an so autopilot. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. More like more like autopilot with your eyes closed. You know, you just kind of like you don't even know if the autopilot's on at this point. You're just kind of like trying to trying to survive. And but looking back, um, yeah, it was just it was, I had I, I was drinking. It was just bad coping mechanisms. I just play video games all day, be on the phone with friends, that kind of thing. And so eventually all of these things started stacking up. Like you said, you were, you were struggling to pay rent mm-hmm. on time and things like that. And eventually you lost the flat that you were staying in. Is that yeah, right? this was in the days where uh, it was job seekers and they were they were trying to get people kicked off job seekers. That was kind of the approach, which is weird when you go back to it now. If anyone's recently gone on universal credit, they're all like, yeah, come in if you want to. We'll pay it. We love you guys. It's amazing. But back then it was, you're uh, 30 seconds late. Well, you lose your job seekers. And as soon as I had that hit, everything just that I think that's probably the turning point where I stopped going outside I stopped trying to keep up with bills and then eventually they they came around changed the locks and kicked me out you know at that point you were homeless yeah. um and what what did you do next so let, let's let's talk through the, the process of that okay. so you they've changed the locks yeah, yeah um and you're you're out mm-hmm. what next a uh, cry right now that's that's how it feels it, 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 when you when that 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 like when the door that you called home has been like locked behind you, there's not that is an indescribable feeling because you not only do you no longer feel safe, it's it's like yeah, it's like the security and your autonomy you once had has just been taken away from you. Whether you deserve that or not, I'm sure we can get into later. Um, but you really, I really had nothing. I had I had no idea where to go to. Thankfully, I was a care leaver, so I still had access to what was called the aftercare team. Um, and in a panic, I, I called everyone I knew, including them, and they were able to get me um, a, a, like a B a short term B and B to stay in, which is you know, <laughs> which is tough when you've got so much stuff. So I lost a lot of stuff in that move, of course. Shortly after this, Brad found a place to stay in an Emmaus community, but after some personal struggles, he found himself homeless once again. So was it any different to the first time? This at that time, I was actually street homeless, okay. so um, not having a home. You know, you can be homeless anywhere. Sofa surfing with a friend in some crappy B&B somewhere. But no, I was Absolutely. homeless, homeless in a tent outside um, through the winter. Wow. So, yeah. It's... And, and so what, what is life like um, on the street at that sort of time of year? I got kind of lucky. So for me, it was just kind of like a waiting game. I'm very, I'm very abnormal. So I can adapt. I've, I think maybe, maybe because of my life, I can adapt pretty quickly. So the worst thing about being homeless on the streets for me was mainly, literally, just the weather. The idea, like, you, if you step outside without a coat on, you're the, I, I, I've said this before, but the cold reaches your bones before it reaches your skin. And it's a horrible feeling. You get cold so quickly and you have to spend so long warming yourself up. Uh, I did also have public aggravation of people not physically attacking me, but threatening or throwing stuff, which, again, didn't, it probably should have bothered me more than it did. But I was far too focused on trying to get a job and just trying to get out of homelessness. So, uh, so you came to Emmaus and obviously they, they, they assisted you with that and, and that helped you, um, I, I suppose, get some more stability mm-hmm. um, in, in your life. But uh, what, what other support did you find here? Oh, it, it, the, the great thing about Emmaus is it, it, can, it can give you the level of the support that you need to the person. So I needed a pretty decent amount of support. I needed a lot of um, days off, time to myself, counselling. Um, uh, I managed to injure myself ice skating, actually. I managed to really twist my knee. And they amended my work 
Ouch. So that I could still ice skate and work at the same time. But yeah, no, Emmaus is, it's, and even though those are my support needs, you'll find that there are people here who just, the support is just going to work. Being able to have a structure to take the light the day that they see fit. So if we, if we go back a little bit, mm. uh, I'd just like to explore um, this idea of pressures building up, things oh, yeah, stacking up and, yeah. up and up and up and um, up. Just mentally, what, what does that feel like? You don't notice till it snaps. I, that's what I would say. That's the, the biggest problem with things stacking up is oh, there's, there's a thing. I think it's like it's, it's a beta something paradox where if I think it's explained as if you walk a mile, you'll walk. If you have to go somewhere for a mile, you'll walk it. But if you have to go somewhere two miles, you'll drive it. Unironically, ironically going faster than if you would just walk it. So if the situation is worse, you're more likely to act on it and fix it. However, the problem when things build minutially is you get very used to a slightly worse situation each time and yeah. you never take the car. Yeah. Oh, I've broken my arm. Oh, man, I'm only walking. Oh, I've got, I've got crutches from a, a bent knee. Oh, I'll just go. And then eventually you collapse and you're out on your own when you should have just asked someone to give you a lift. A note that I'd like to end on is uh, somebody who might be listening now mm. might be in the same situation that you found yourself um, mm. with things stacking on top of you um, and feeling like it was all going to come down well, what's the one bit of advice that you've given I spoke to someone in this building recently who who very clearly was at the point where I was and it's there's a very there's a great problem that's very unique to men and I hate us for this I'm, look, I'm, I'm sure you've done it as well where we bottle things up mm. we don't talk to someone and then we end up as a suicide statistic just Ask someone for help. It, it, seem, it almost seems weak, like you're bothering someone with your problems or like maybe they won't understand and they'll just tell you to fuck off. But just, that is, that's, the, that's the first and last place you should go. Because if you, if you try and do it alone, yeah, you'll end up as a statistic, statistic and no one wants that. Some really powerful insight there about how life can get on top of you in ways that you might not expect. Now we'll hear from you. My colleague Bryony and I went out in search of your views on homelessness in the UK today. Here's one of the many conversations that we had on the streets of Manchester. Do you think that there is enough affordable housing in the UK at the moment? No, I don't. Not at all. And why is that? Um, the safety nets aren't there for people anymore. The, um, everything's going up, everything's more expensive. A Conservative government has continuously put... Um, lower paid people at the bottom of the rung, people who uh, need um, benefits at the bottom of the ladder, cutting benefits, and that housing is just part of that whole cycle. And what kind of pressures do you think that people face that can lead to homelessness? Uh, Zero-hour contracts, um, job loss, family pressures, family illness, especially following COVID. You don't know what, what pressures people are facing, and... I'm, I'm very lucky in my life. I've always had a safety net. If I suddenly become jobless, homeless, I've got family there that can have the resources to support me, which is a very privileged position to be in. But if you don't have that, you are so many people are one payday away from not being able to pay for their home, not being able to pay the bills, not being able to pay the rent. So, yeah. And what do you think? I mean, I don't know if this is even something that you can answer, but what do you think should be done to ease these pressures? Oh, gosh. <laughs> What's the answer? What's the answer? 
oh, a whole new government, a government that focuses on people's needs on the whole of society rather than a privileged upper upper wage bracket. Thanks to everybody who agreed to give us their views. We really appreciate you taking part. Now you'll hear from Maura Jackson, CEO of Backup Northwest. The charity, in its own words, provides an opportunity for young people who are homeless to be safe, stable and develop skills for independence. Maura was a support worker at the charity before taking on the role as CEO and has been working in support for decades, so knows all about the challenges that people like Brad have been facing. Okay, Maura, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Firstly, if you could tell us a bit about yourself and Back Up Northwest and, and what you do. Of course, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, my name is Maura Jackson. I'm the Chief Exec at Back Up Northwest, and we are a registered charity in Bolton. We've been running for 32 years now, and we accommodate and support young people aged 16 to 25 uh, across the Bolton area. Um, we focus primarily on young people that are homeless, at risk of homelessness, and have additional complex support needs. At any one time, we accommodate 106 young people throughout different sites. We've got five different sites um, that are a cluster of accommodation with staff offices based on site where staff are present 24 hours a day to make sure that the young people have got access to security, support, advice, uh, advocacy, whatever they need at any given time. And what this episode is, I, I think it will relate to, to some of the people that you help support, which is which is right. It's it's great that we've got you on. Absolutely. I mean, we call it the Buckaroo effect here, but in the past it's been referred to as the domino effect as well. Um, they all explain the same thing, which is essentially the same for everybody, regardless of what situation you're in, homeless or not. If you've got layer upon layer uh, and things added to your load of, of things that are taking up headspace and causing you difficulty whether that's you know dealing with one thing or dealing with a hundred things it's that build up and because everybody's tolerance for those things is different so when you're playing that game of buckaroo and you're adding those things to the donkey you know sometimes it kind of kicks off at five sometimes it kicks off at 20 so Mm. everybody's tolerance levels are different at different times and as you know you know in, in life people can deal with lots of things and they think yeah i'm juggling those balls I'm spinning those plates it's fine I've got the resources I've got the skills it only takes one thing to kind of tip tip you over the edge I guess with then it becoming overwhelm or paralysis where you can no longer deal with the most basic of things and with young people that come into our services what we find is that those things those you know things put on the donkey started you know right from day one so whether that was having unstable um, environment that they lived in, whether that's issues with parents uh, struggling with issues of their own, or whether you know they've had a relatively wonderful childhood, but there's been some trauma that just occurred right in the middle of it, which could be a bereavement or an assault or, or something like that, nothing to do with the mm-hmm. family, but it's completely you know consumed their life. It, it's really hard because when when you were talking about the pressure cooker or the buckaroo effect, I was thinking, well, how would I describe that really? And and for me, it's kind of building foundations for young people. So Mm. if you imagined a brick wall where the bricks are layered with the cement in between the bricks and mortar, 
and the bottom bricks are, you know, the stability, the foundation, the stuff that we can't manage without. A bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I suppose, in theory. You know, if any of the bricks are missing, the wall's not going to stay upright. It's yeah. not safe. Um, it's not secure. It's going to crumble. And that's and, what happens in life with people. And and with Brad, so uh, we've, we've just spoken to him and um, he had a very similar situation to this. Uh, Bill stacking up constant pressure to find work and, you know, he had um, quite bad ADHD as well, um, you know, and, and struggling to manage those symptoms. And, and it was interesting what you were saying there about... Um, you know, young people, they might not have had the the life experience um, or, you know, the proper like mentoring or skills to be able to manage yeah. those pressures. And uh, I think that that probably does apply to him. So for a young person like him, these situations must have been incredibly intense. I mean, it must be frightening to sort of be sat with your own thoughts thinking, I don't know where to go with any of this and I can't even process those thoughts properly. Mm. Um or make any sense of what's going on. And if you add, you know, a layer of trauma to that, or then the anxiety around not knowing where your next meal's coming from, or that somebody's threatening you for money, um, somebody's offering you a place to stay, but you've got to sell drugs to them. It's just, you, you end up making decisions that are risky because of, literally because of your situation. And that's why Backup really wants to, intervene at this early stage and try and almost divert young people from a later life of having to use services and rely on other people. We want to create that independence yeah. now because, you know, you will know full well that statistically, if you're homeless at any point in your life, the chances of that happening and reoccurring again increases 50% every time. Maura, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks a lot for joining us. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, you can head to our website where you'll find a range of resources and organisations that offer support and advice. Go to emmaus.org.uk forward slash podcast. We'll be releasing a new episode every two weeks until early December. Stick with us and we'd love it if you shared our podcast and left us a review. See you in the next episode.